Is anybody tired of hearing about coronavirus? Yes, 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 I am too. Uh, but I thought it would be a, a good thing just to stop just for a couple of minutes. I wanted to share a couple of thoughts, and I jotted them down so small that I can barely see them. Uh, as a church, what we're going to do just for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to kind of be sensible, just like you would around cold and flu season, which we're still in. Uh, so what we're going to do is just, you might notice that our greeting team might not have shook your hand on the way in. That's all right, okay? Don't shake my hand on the way out today, uh, and don't shake each other's hands unless you came together. So uh, then that's okay. But uh, we're going to do what we can. We're going to do all of the sort of sensible, wise things that you would do around cold and flu season. If if you're sick, stay home. If your kids are sick, stay home with them. Worship with them. Um, You know, you you don't get extra points for toughing it out, you know, uh, during this season. There's no, nobody's going to come along and pat you on the back and say, thanks for coming to church. Uh, while you were hacking and sneezing on people. So, you know, just stay home. We got, we'll put the podcast up on Sunday afternoon. You can listen to it. You can worship with your family. And so what we'll do is we'll just, we're going to continue. We'll inform you if there's any changes right now. There are none. So we don't meet the size requirements for, uh, for, for not, you know, for having to cancel a public meeting. We're okay. Look at there's plenty of space between all y'all. Y'all are good. So, um, and so I, I've been praying uh, about this situation because it's, it's unique. Um, uh, it's not one that we've faced as a church since we started the church. Uh, there, there was, a, there was a, an epidemic of the H1N1 swine flu a few years ago as a church, and I don't know why that wasn't as big of a deal as this is. But, um, uh, and, and we just sort of sailed on through that, and we didn't lose anybody to swine flu. Do you remember that, Linda? How we didn't lose anyone to swine flu? Yeah, that was, that was great. And so, but I've just been praying about all of this, and I feel like uh, uh, there is a, a massive spiritual element to this. Um, I, I feel like there, and I'm not, I'm not I, hear me on this uh, when I say this. Because things like this, whenever there's sort of like national attention, it tends to bring out like prophets, right? I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm talking about. I feel like um, that there's a a big spiritual element to this in that um, the enemy loves to take things like this and just release his spirits of fear all over people. He loves to just release the spirit of anxiety and fear and stress. And I really feel in my spirit that that's been going on. And uh, I do feel like there's a magic. Whenever you see something like this in the natural, there is something happening in the spiritual. And we have to be aware of that, that uh, our enemy is a spiritual enemy. And, um, and he loves to move through these things and things like this. And he loves to bring fear. That's not good. Uh, you know, fear and uh, stress and anxiety, they actually cause your immune system to drop. Did you know that? 
that literally stressing out over this is causing you to be more susceptible to it. Wow, isn't that crazy? That stress causes your immune system to actually stop working because your stress response puts your your body into what's called survival mode, which means let's shut down some of these systems over here, like our immune system, so that we can run away from this bear chasing us. And, uh, hey, there's no bears chasing you. So, in case you wonder, Gary, you didn't let a bear in here, did you? Good. (laughs) All right. And so, uh, that's it's just not good. And so, there is a massive spiritual, I believe, uh, uh, thing happening. There's a war happening. And uh, we, do, we don't want to play by the enemy's rules, right? Because we're victorious. I mean, the Bible, I've heard theologians say the Bible says, do not fear 365 times. You know, don't fear. Don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. And uh, so I, I want to give you that encouragement. Don't, don't fear. Don't fear. And so um, I, I, there's a couple of just sort of uh, things. Because it, when we fear, what happens is we kick into a uh, self-preservation mode. And we've seen that happen across our country, right? Empty toilet paper shelves. That's called hoarding. That's called self-preservation and um, self-preservation is really antithetical to the kingdom of God, okay? Uh, self-preservation is not a kingdom of God trait. What, what is a kingdom of God trait is serving others, right? No, when I say don't fall into self-preservation, I'm not saying stop washing your hands, don't worry about it, you know? What I'm saying is don't hoard, don't hide, don't isolate, Okay? Uh, instead, what we should be doing is a few things. And I, I, I've got assignments for you. Don't you wish sometimes during times like this somebody would come along and tell you what to do? So I'm going to tell you what to do, okay? Because when we don't know what to do, what do we do? We get stressed. I don't know what to do. So a few things I want you to do. One, I want you to pray. And when I say pray, I don't mean I, I want you to have good thoughts, <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, so many times, how many times did we say, I'm going to pray about that? We never pray about that. We never, so when I pray, pray, say pray, I mean, get alone, get in your prayer closet, get alone with God and pray. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Lord's marching orders on this. Okay. Uh, so pray. That's one of the things. Um, reflect. This is a really, really important time to reflect. And so, what do we reflect on? Well, we begin to reflect on our own mental and emotional health, right? Hey, when's the best time to prepare for an emergency? (laughs) Long before the emergency. And so, this is a great time to reflect and go, okay, God, have I been prepared spiritually or have I been living in a state of sort of spiritual laziness and now, you know, this this, uh, emergency comes along and I'm freaking out because I'm not, I, I wasn't filled with the peace of God before this happened and now I'm begging you to fill me with your peace, okay? So, it's time to reflect on your spiritual health. This is really important. And then the other thing that, I want you to reflect on is I want you to reflect on your physical health, right? Because if we all have strong immune systems, it's great. Well, you don't worry about that, you know. And so reflect on your physical health. What, 
what are, you know, what, what does my own immune system look like right now, and how can I strengthen that? How can I strengthen that? Let me give you a few hints. Take your vitamins. Get some exercise. Eat healthy. Less fast food, more salads. Okay? Take some vitamin C. Take some vitamin D. Take some vitamin A. Do you know that taking vitamin A is like putting a jacket around your cells? They actually make your cell walls stronger so that viruses can't get in them. Uh, so get some sunshine. Y'all need to go get some sunshine. Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Okay? If you, if you had plans to maybe go for a hike today or go for a bike ride or go for a walk, keep those plans. And if you didn't have those plans, make those plans. Okay? Uh, it's, it's so important that we take our health. We get, we get serious about our health because then when things like this come along, we go, okay, I'm not worried about this. I can go help other people. It's important that we reflect on our spiritual, our mental, our emotional health during these times uh, so that when they come along, we're just more prepared. And then a, a couple other things, a couple other assignments I want to give you. Start limiting your social media exposure it's not helping your stress level. It's not, it's not bringing peace into your life. Okay? If you like to be on Facebook, once or twice a day is all you need. And you don't need to check it. Check it. Every few minutes or every hour or whatever. All right? It's going to be there later when this is all over. So you're not missing out. All right? Limit social media. Social media is, is just... To use unpassionately language, it's a freaking dump, dumpster fire. It's not helping you. It's not, it's not lowering your stress level. It's not bringing greater peace into your life. And then the other thing is this. Limit the news. Limit the news. Okay? I'm not telling you to be uninformed. But, you know, checking the news 25 times isn't going to make you any more informed than if you checked it twice. Really. Okay, so uh, limit the news. Why? Because it's going to create stress in you, and stress, as we know, lowers your immune system. <laughs> all right, and so limit your. You know, just take a take a break from all that. Take a break, um, and then be wise. Be wise, um, and look for opportunities to bless others. You know, it's times like this when the church has the opportunity to shine like no other time, right? I mean, the world should look at the church and go, why, are they, why do they have so much peace? It was during the plague that the church flourished because they were helping others. They weren't hoarding toilet paper or hiding in the basement. And we went through this, you know, we went through this with like Y2K, Right? Y'all remember Y2K? Uh, oh, my goodness. I think I still have some leftover rice. Do we, did we get rid of it? Did we eat it all? Okay, good. Good. I'm, and I'm pretty sure that the gas masks we bought after 9-11 are still sitting out in the garage gathering dust. Okay? You cannot have them. Um, but it's during times of crisis when the church has the greatest opportunity to shine, has the greatest opportunity to be a picture of people who rejoice in adversity, right? Who, are, who radiate the peace of God. 
And so we have an opportunity to really be a light. Uh, so we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And somehow, I just, I can't believe, uh, I can't believe that the Holy Spirit would look at us and go, all right now, wring your hands, obsessively check Facebook, check the news and see, you know, what's going on. Uh, you know, go bring a roll of toilet paper to your neighbor. <laughs> right? They might get a kick out of it. They might like that very much. They might appreciate that. Who knows? Um, if you're all out, let me know. I might be able to hook you up with a roll or two. All right? If, you, if you're one of those poor souls who went to the grocery store all out of toilet paper, they didn't have any, let me know. I might have something uh, to hook you up with. But be a light. Um, there's a question I think that we should be asking ourselves when we kind of feel that stress rising and when we get worried about when we're in that situation. And really, the question we should be asking ourselves is, what are the opportunities? You know, what are the opportunities here? And, and we have to ask, it, are, are, we, are we perpetuating fear? Are we perpetuating, uh, you know, please, you know, kind of take evaluation of what you're communicating you know, and if you're perpetuating fear, you know, just ask yourself, how can I perpetuate hope? How can I, you know, perpetuate uh, just our eyes on Jesus and lead people towards him? And so, uh, and, and then the other thing is this, and this is a question that I like to ask our, our camp volunteers on the first night of camp, and that's, what do I want to be able to say about this, right? Because this is going to come to an end. This is going to be over with, you know, this is, this is, they all do, and, uh, you know, this is going to be over with. This is going to come to an end, and when it's all over with, what do you want to be able to say about it? What do you want to be able to say about how you walked through it and how you leaned on the Lord? And uh, I think that if you can answer that question, what do I want to be able to say about this, it will really help you to uh, have a plan of action, have an attitude that you'd like to pursue. And uh, so... It's all going to be good. I have a friend in China, and uh, she was there. She lived through, you know, the coronavirus uh, there in China. And she's a missionary. She's been a missionary there for years. And uh, she just posted uh, just a real beautiful post um, last night on Facebook. And she said that, uh, you know, people are getting better. It's, it's the, the cur- they're at the end of the curve there now. And, uh, and she said, you know, she's just seen God's faithfulness and his peace, and it's going to be okay. So that was her message to all of her friends in America. She said, hey, it's, it's all going to be okay. We're on the end of the curve over here. It's, things are getting better. You know, just keep praising God. Keep thanking him. Walk through this with an attitude of gratitude and praise, and it's going to be all right. So, all right, everybody, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. That's all I have to say about that. So, uh I'm Lee, by the way. I think I've met just about everyone in here. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard. And uh, let's go ahead and put our vision statement up here, okay? We're getting it. We're going to get it. It's probably got a color wheel back there. It's probably doing this thing, right? Here we go. Let's say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. That's what we're all about as a church. We're loving Jesus. We're loving each other. We're growing. We're going. All right. And uh, today what we're doing is we're continuing our three-part series on money. I'm going to have to move through it kind of quickly now. I had a little sermonette there in the beginning. But uh, my hope is at the end of this series, you're going to have 
tools that you need to get your financial house in order, right? And experience peace in your finances, growth in your finances. And last week we talked about having the right mindset when it comes to money. Y'all remember that? And uh, that it's all God's money, right? Is everybody okay? That it's all God's money? And that he's trusting us to manage it for him, okay? And uh, that God wants us to be blessed. And we talked about how every spending decision is a spiritual decision. And that God's principles for managing money should be applied no matter how much or how little money we make. Okay? And so today I want to get into some of the practicals. We're going to talk about some of the practicals of managing money. And hopefully it's really helpful. Uh, I have a short confession to make. The, for the first two-thirds of my life, I was not very good with money. Uh, they say that most people are broke until they reach the age of 40. Um, I'd say, you know, for, for me, there's some truth to that. But uh, uh, I was not very good with money. I used credit cards to pay for going out to eat. Uh, I used credit cards to buy things that I told myself that I needed. But if I was really honest, uh, I, I could have lived without them. Um, I didn't save. Uh, I didn't have really any sort of budget. I just kind of went week to week or pay period to pay period. When the car broke down and we had an emergency, I would have to pay for it with a credit card. Anybody ever pay for a repair with a credit card? Am I the only one who's done that? Really? Some of you guys are awesome with money. Okay. Uh, I've had to pay for repairs. I've had to pay for emergencies with credit cards. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I remember one time... Uh, I got the flu really bad, and I went to the doctor and had to pay for the doctor visit with a credit card, and uh, that you know, and that was like crazy. He ran every single test; it was nuts. It was like a you know, ended up being what like a fifteen hundred dollar, you know, a doctor visit, um, uh, and it was one of those things. It was like take this and you'll be better in a week, or don't take it and you'll be better in seven days. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it was. I uh, it was. A, I regret that. And so um, uh, you know, when our car broke down, it, uh, it was just I had to pay for the credit. We didn't have an emergency fund. We did not keep an emergency fund. And so it didn't seem to matter how much money I made. Uh, I just seemed to always be sort of scraping by. We're just scraping by. You know that feeling when you're just sort of just getting by. And maybe you've been there, maybe you're, maybe you're there now, and hopefully today will help. Um, you know, where it's just like things never seem, there just never seems to be enough. Uh, you're just hoping that one day you'll get that, green, that dream job. Remember last week I talked about how my mom used to say when my, when my ship comes in, you know, maybe someday my ship will come in, uh, you'll get that inheritance, or some big blessing will come along and make it all better, right? And so it's hard living in financial stress. Uh, it's, like, it's like a weight around your neck, and it just it saps your joy. It just always, you know, it's always in your thoughts. And so the good news is that unless you are completely unemployable, um, you don't need a miracle to get things turned around. Uh, just, a lot of people, right, we pray for, God, give me a miracle. I need a miracle in my finances. You don't need a miracle. You just need to be better with money, <laughs> right? I mean, for a lot of us, we're, we're hoping for that miracle. We really just need to be disciplined, and we need to be better with money. And so um, I want to talk about that. So what, uh, what do you need? You know, we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, first, let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness. 
We thank you that your word uh, is very, has lots of wisdom when it comes to our finances. And so I ask God that you would let that come alive in us today. God, that uh, you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would help us to be good stewards of your money. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, it's funny because uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. We talked talked about the parable of the talents, how a lot of times we read that and we spiritualize it, but really it's a parable about money. And it's how God, you know, what do I entrust you with? How much do I entrust you with? And so um, we're going to look at Proverbs 27, verses 23 through 27. You know, something to understand that when Proverbs was written, much of the economy during biblical times was agrarian economy, right? And so what did they have? They, they bartered and traded with, with livestock. They bartered and traded with uh, you know, oil and barley and you know, all those things. Those were valuable things to them. Um, in fact, when you look at the uh, Levitical offerings, there's not a single offering that involves coins or cash or money you know, because these things were their money. Right? And so uh, it says this. It says, Know the state of your flocks. Know the state of your flocks. If we were to kind of translate that today, it might say, Know the state of your money. Right? Know the state of your money. And put your heart into taking care of your herds. Or put your heart into taking care of your money. All right? For riches or paychecks, we'll just say, don't last forever. Amen to that? <laughs> Paychecks don't last forever. And the crown or your estate might not be passed on to the next generation. After the hay is harvested and the new crop appears and the mountain grasses are gathered in. In other words, when the accounts are all settled, your sheep will provide wool for your clothing and your goats will provide the price of a field, and you will have enough goat's milk, or let's just say abundance, right, for yourself, for your family, and your servant girls. So if you remember one thing, I want you to remember this. Take care of your dollars, and your dollars will take care of you. Okay? Take care of your dollars, and your dollars will take care of you. It's so funny. You know, we're talking about money in church, and for so long, for so long, it's been considered, like, distasteful to talk about money in church because, you know, after all, back in the 80s, you had some money-hungry TV preachers, and they kind of, like, like, you know, put a bad taste in everybody's mouth to talk about money in church, and I think that that has done us a terrible disservice because there are so many churches filled with people who don't know how to handle their money. And, and, and they don't, you know, consequentially, they don't have enough. They don't have any, right? And so uh, we need to kind of get comfortable talking about this because it brings glory to God when we handle our money well. It brings, it honors the Lord when we're wise with our finances. It doesn't honor God to always be scraping by and to be in debt, right? And all these things, it doesn't, that doesn't honor God. And so uh, we need to take care of our dollars and our dollars will take care of us. So for, for our money to take care of us, it requires intentional, wise management of it. For your money to take care of you, it requires of you intentional, wise management. And so it doesn't matter how much or how little you make. It doesn't matter how much or how little you make. If you just, you know, uh, if all you make is a couple dollars, you need to 
wisely manage those couple of dollars and not exempt yourself from wise management saying, well, I don't make enough money to manage. Okay? Everybody has a little bit. And so uh, it doesn't matter how much you make. In fact, uh, even can go the other way around. If you are incredibly wealthy, you still need to manage that wealth with incredible wisdom. Willie Nelson, you all know who that guy is? He was on my mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> His net worth was $25 million, and he had to file for bankruptcy. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't managing those millions of dollars well. Dennis Rodman filed for bankruptcy. He was worth $27 million. $27 million. Mike Tyson had to file for bankruptcy, was worth $400 million. Right? They didn't understand that they had to take care of those dollars. Right? right? Or those dollars weren't going to take care of them. And so uh, saying that you're not good with money does not give you a pass. Right? Don't we do that? That's such a, I've, I've been reading this wonderful book on mindset. That's such a limited mindset to say, oh, well, I'm not good with that, and then exempt ourselves from it. And so saying that you're not good with money does not give you a pass. And it really shouldn't take us to, you know, it, it really shouldn't take a Bible verse to tell us that we need to intentionally plan and care for our money. Uh, and so I'm going to give you just kind of six things today. If you follow these things, it will turn your finances around. It will help you, okay? And the, so the first thing is this. Keep records of your monies coming and going. Keep records, all right? Because doesn't the Bible say, it says, uh, verse 23, know the state of your flocks. Know the state of your money. Keep records of your money coming and going. In the Old Testament, right, a person's flocks were their livelihood, it was their sustenance. And so that's why we have that verse. And so uh, you have to know where your dollars are going every pay period. You've got to know. Okay? And like the old saying says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. If you can't measure your money, you can't manage your money. So if you're not measuring it, you're not going to manage it. So on the, on the practical end, I'm going to just encourage you, keep a checkbook register. Keep it. It's so funny how many people I meet today that don't keep a register, that don't keep, right? Because they go, well, I have an app that tracks my money. Well, the problem with having, going, well, I just checked my app is... Uh, as a lot of times we have payments that haven't cleared. And so, you know, how many have, have had to pay uh, insufficient funds fees in the last year, right? You don't pay insufficient funds fees when you keep a register and you know what's in there. So I want to encourage you to do that. Keep a register. Write it down. Check your register before you spend money, all right? Don't rely on an app because... The funds may not have cleared yet, and so you think you got more than you really do. Uh, so keep a register. Um, you know, and this, because we don't want to accidentally overdraw. We don't want to, uh, you know, pay those fees. Because don't, don't you feel kind of like when you pay an overdraft fee, don't you feel like, I just threw $25 away. I just threw it in the trash. I crumpled it up and flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, okay. Keep a register. Write it down. Uh, you don't want to throw your money away. Know the exact state of your dollars. Know the state of your flocks, okay? Uh, for a lot of people, you know what? Just doing that one thing will make a huge difference. The next thing is this. This is a, big, this is a little bit bigger. Live on less than you make. 
Do not buy things you cannot afford, right? Live on less than you make. I know that sounds funny, but with some discipline, you can do that. Everybody can do that. You can live on less than you make. Now, I, I know that there are extreme circumstances, right? Uh, those who are living in poverty and their expenses are more than what they're bringing in. But I would say for uh, the vast majority of us who are living maybe in the middle class or even the lower middle class, we can, we can make a way to make that work, that living on less than we make. Um, 40% of, of Americans spend more than they make every year. And what they end up doing is they rack up credit card debt for consumer items, right? For consumer items. Have you ever seen somebody who looks like they couldn't rub two nickels together walk out of Walmart with a 50-inch TV? That's what I'm talking about, okay? And so uh, they rack up consumer uh, debt with their credit cards, buying things like TV or unneeded clothing, Right? I mean, how many outfits do you need? And so, uh, and I like to buy clothing. So, but, uh, or, here's another thing that people like to do is they will, they'll hit Starbucks four or five times a week. Okay? I, that adds up, man. You know, when you're spending 25 bucks a week on Starbucks, that's, that's 100 bucks a month. You're talking $1,200 a year on coffee. And so, um, or eating out. It's easy, it's convenient, it's tasty, but I'm telling you, it's not a good idea. And so live beneath your means. Uh, some of the wealthiest executives will pack a lunch and take that to the office because they're living beneath their means because they know they've figured this out, right? Uh, you know, gone are the days. I remember back in the 80s when you had guys like Lee Iacocca who, you know, who was, uh, who was running Chrysler back in the 80s, and he would have, like, sh- chefs cooking for him and things like that. And, like, that whole thing of, like, living beyond their means, like, almost ruined that company. And so, uh, uh, you know, live beneath your means. Be wise. Uh, and so the problem with spending as much or more than you make is that uh, you, you hurt future you, Right? So if, if, you know, future Lee is uh, spending more than he makes, then, or if current Lee is spending more than he makes, future Lee is going, <laughs> you know, you're going to run out of money. You know, save, save some money for future Lee because an accident might happen or a crisis or a repair. I might need to buy a new car. You know, I might need to, you know, whatever. And so uh, it may look, you, you never know if you're going to get laid off. You never know if you're going to need expensive repairs. You never know. You know, it's not like your, your, your water heater is going to send you an email two months in advance saying, in two months I'm going to stop working, just so you know, so you can start saving now. No, that's not how it works. Okay? Live beneath your means so that you can put money away for future you. And uh, so it, it may look funny to your friends, right? They might be like, oh, you always say no. You never join us for drinks. Or, you know, uh, or it may look funny to go, you know what, I'm going to wait for that movie to come out on video. Or you might be, you know, uh, sporting an old phone. And, uh, and, but, because that's the wor- way the world lives, right? Isn't that the way the world lives? And so uh, you, you have to be countercultural. I love the way Dave Ramsey puts it. You have to live like no one else so that later on you can live like no one else. All right? And so... Uh, it may be countercultural, this practice of living below your income, but it gives you, you know what it gives you? It gives you financial air. 
a little bit of margin. I can breathe a little. I'm not constantly worried about this thing. Financial margin is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And since we learned that, like uh, when we have a car repair, like just recently I had to put four new brakes on my car. Four, all four. And then, and then it, it turned out that I also needed a new uh, valve cover gasket, you know, on the engine. And it was like, it was like $1,500. It was nuts. And, uh, but I, you know what? Because we're like, we put money aside every paycheck. And, I, and we've been doing this for years and years and years. We were like, okay, totally sucks. We'd rather spend that 1500 on something else. But we don't have to charge it. We don't have to go into debt for that. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to go, oh, now we can't, you know, buy groceries for the next month, right? We just were able to, we were able to pay it. And so um, live on less than you make. The third thing is this, have a plan. Have some sort of plan, any plan, back of the napkin plan, but have a plan. Your financial health is too important to just play it by ear. Just play it by ear, hoping things will get better, Right? Hope, like I said last week, is a beautiful thing, but it's not a plan. Hope is not a plan. And so uh, some people, um, they keep like a down-to-the-penny budget, right? Does any, anybody keep that kind of a budget, like kind of a down-to-the-penny budget? Forrest, do you keep a budget? Okay, good. Uh, yes, you use YNAB. It's a software called You Need a Budget. Uh, some people keep that kind of down-to-the-penny budget. Other people have something that's called a conscientious spending plan. Okay, so this is a little, there's a, you can call that the spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have a down-to-the-penny budget where you write down where every penny goes, and then the other end of the spectrum is sort of this conscientious spending plan where you have money set aside, and, and, and then, you know, uh, after all the expenses are paid and you've invested and you've saved and you've given and all that, you have some money left over, and that, that's money to kind of do with what you want. And so, um, Personally, what I like to do is I like to automate all the important stuff in my finances. I feel that in life, uh, we automate the important, okay? Why do we automate? So, like, in other words, my, all my giving is automated. It just happens automatic. I don't have to decide if I'm going to give or not, right? I, it just happens automatically. Um, uh, I have uh, money set aside going into another savings account for, uh, vaca- for like, when we get ready to take a vacation. We've been saving for two years. We haven't taken one yet. We'll, we'll, we'll take one, honey. Okay? We have money set aside so that when we're like, we need to take a vacation, well, we've, we've been putting aside $25 every other week towards one, right? And I'm not saying like a lot. We just kind of put a little in. And we make all that happen automatically. My giving, a house payment goes, uh, money goes automatically, uh, money for insurance. Does anybody here pay their insurance bill like every six months or every year instead of every month. Yeah, okay? And so we have that insurance money go into, just automatically go into a savings account, and then when, it, when that comes due, it automatically gets debited out of that account. And it goes away from my checking account, away from my general pool of money. And so uh, that's kind of, would lean more towards a conscientious spending plan. Make all that saving, all that investing, the giving, all those things as, as automatic as possible and so every time I get paid, I just deduct that amount from my checkbook register. 
Okay, it just goes away. And so it just makes it easier to always pay on time, and I know what I have left over. And you know what else is cool about automating all that stuff? I don't have to do a ton of mathing. Right? I just, it, it happens automatically. I don't have to do a ton of mathing. And so uh, where you lie on the spectrum of that really doesn't matter. Whether you're kind of a down-to-the-penny budgeter or you're a conscientious spending plan person, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that you have a plan and you stick to the plan. It's not enough to just write it down, but you have to stick to the plan, right? Does anybody here ever go scuba diving? Have you ever scuba up? Nobody? Okay, so I never have either. But there's a scuba dive. Who? Michael has? Oh, rock on Michael. Okay. So there's, there's, a, there's a saying in scuba diving because when you scuba dive, you have what? You have an air tank, right? Do you have an unlimited supply of air? No. You have a limited supply of air, which means you have to budget that air. Okay? And so when, when a scuba diver dives, what they do is they plan their dive. They plan their dive so that they don't find themselves without air in the middle of the water. And so they plan their dive, and then they dive their plan. Right? Y'all following me? Plan the dive and dive your plan. Plan your finances, right, so that you don't run out of air. <laughs> at an inopportune moment. So, have a plan and stick to it. You can't get where you haven't been without directions or a map. And so, if you need a map, but you don't know where to start, we have someone here that will help you make a map. Linda, raise your hand. Linda will help you make a map. And she's very good at it. Very good at it. And uh, she, she has always volunteered, as long as we've been a church, she has always volunteered and made herself available because she's a banker and she's amazing with money and, uh, and she's just an amazing, super funny person who make you laugh until you cry. But um, she would love to help you if you need it. Seek her out today. And so the fourth thing is this. Get out of debt and stay out of debt. Get out of debt and stay out of debt. Okay? Like, a credit increase on your Visa card is not a blessing. <laughs> Thank God I got a credit increase. It's not. It really isn't. Okay? Um, get out of debt and stay out of debt. The average American household has close to $7,000 in credit card debt. $7,000 in credit card debt. What that means is that the average American household pays roughly $1,000 a year in interest. It's like throwing away $1,000 a year. Imagine what you would do with an extra, if, if you just said, I got an extra $1,000 this year. What would you do with it? Would you take a little trip? Would you, would you buy something nice? Something frilly? I don't know. But what would you do? What would you do with an extra $1,000? And so uh, Proverbs 22.7 says, it says that the person in debt is slavery to the person or company to the, moral that, to the company that they're borrowing money from, right? It says that the debtor is, the debt, <laughs> the debtor is slave to the lender, okay? And so um, if you're like a lot of people, you probably groan when you see that credit card statement. Oh, I used to groan when I'd see that statement. It'd come and I'd go, oh. 
And I'd open it up, and I'd think, oh, i got to get this thing paid down. Uh, I'll pay more next month. This month, I'll just make the minimum payment because I need an oil change, and the kids need shoes. You, just, you know, we groan. We groan. You know, it's tax, it's like, it's tax refund season right now. If you have credit card debt, when you get your tax refund, throw the whole thing at your credit card. Just throw it all there, okay? Make a plan to not use the card. Just pay it off and be done with going into debt to purchase things. Don't go into debt. We, we use a credit card, and, and I tell people, only use a credit card if you're disciplined enough to pay it off every week. Or pay it off every month. We pay it off every week, not every month. We pay it off every week. And so fortunately, in the last eight years, we've actually made more money from our credit card than we've paid the credit card because we haven't paid any interest at all because we pay it off every week and they give us rewards. <laughs> and so, like, I just love screwing the credit card company. Um, so they actually have a term for people like me in credit card companies. They call us deadbeats. It's deadbeats. That's all right. I'm okay with that. I made like $500 from you last year, so whatever. And so uh, pay it off. Get out of debt and stay out of debt. It's not your friend. It's not your friend. And so the fifth thing is save and invest for the future. Save and invest for the future. Even if it's just a little bit, right? An estimated 21% of Americans do not save any money. None at all. No money at all. And so, again, what happens when the car breaks down? More debt. What happens when you lose your job? No cushion to fall back on. What happens when you get older, you want to retire? You're pushing carts at Walmart. I mean, that's just, that's a fact. That's what we do. We have to keep working. We can't retire. We can't afford to, right? Because we haven't set a little aside. We haven't set a little aside. And so uh, I know that there's going to come a time in my life when I'm, I'm not going to want to work anymore. I'm, you know what I'm going to want to do? I'm going to want to do something adventurous. I'm going to want to do something, you know. I want to, I want to tur- you know, turn a hobby into maybe a small business. I want to spend a bunch of time with my wife. I just want to walk around with my wife all day, you know. And so uh, that's, I, there's going to come a time. But you know what? That's not going to happen if I don't just kind of put a, something aside, a little bit, a little bit. And uh, so the problem is a lot of times is, is we say to ourselves, well, I don't have whatever that figure is in our mind. I don't have a bunch of money uh, to just put aside right now. You don't need to put a bunch of money aside right now. Put, put 10 bucks a week away, right? Can you find 10 bucks a week somewhere? Can you find 10 bucks a week in your Starbucks or you're going out or, you're, or, or hey, maybe, maybe cancel Netflix? You might live with it, without it. Believe, believe it or not, you might live without it. Well, yeah, I think Vince is back there grabbing his chest. No, you know what I mean. But you can live, we can, there are, if we really look, we can find things that we can live without. And we can put it aside for future us, okay? And so this, just, just start saving, 10 bucks a week. Uh, the same goes for investing. There are actually investing, there's companies that allow you to uh, invest automatically by rounding purchases up to the nearest dollar. Was that, will you tell me about that? Yes. Yeah, they allow, allow you to, like, when you, whenever you make a purchase, if you make a purchase for $24.72, then it will take that extra $0.28 cents and it'll stick it in an investment fund for you. It just happened automatically, right? Uh, uh, automate the important. And so... Um, 
just begin to in, invest a few extra cents, something into a, a mutual fund, right? You don't have to be a Rockefeller to save and invest. We think of investment as something that wealthy people do, right? Oh, that's what the rich do. Uh, and the, the fact is, many of them got rich by investing. <laughs> and so uh, just start investing just a little bit. Uh, just start where you are and be consistent. It's about, it's about consistency. And so when we first started doing automated savings, I think we were putting away like $25 a month or something like that. And after $25 a month, after about six months or so, let's, you know what, let's, let's live a little less beneath our means and let's see if we can bump that up to, you know, $50 a month. And then eventually we got up to like $75 a month. And then after a few years when, we, when our car broke down and we needed one, we paid cash for a used car out of that measly that we started saving with just, you know, a little bit, like $25 a month. And so um, just start where you are, save and invest for the future. Uh, and then the last thing is this, uh, begin to just practice generosity. Practice means of generosity. And so... Um, uh, again, this is one of those things where you don't have to have a lot of money to start practicing generosity. We have, we have, we have a young person here who tithes from their allowance. Two dollars. When it, it's time for the offering. He, they didn't wait. They didn't wait till you know, they got a job and they were making more money. They're like, well, I make twenty dollars. I get twenty dollars every other week, so oh, I'm going to start giving two dollars. That's 10%. Just start practicing generosity, you know, right where you're at. And so we tell ourselves that we can't afford to give, uh, and if we do, we won't be able to pay our bills. Uh, The truth is, we can't afford not to be generous. We can't afford not to be generous because God says he'll give it back to you multiplied, right? God says he'll give it back to you multiplied. And uh, again, this is another scripture. When Jesus said, given, it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, uh, He's, he's, not, he's not referring to uh, some sort of, you know, emotional blessing. He's talking about money, right? He's talking about finances. And so uh, just trust God and take him at his word that he's going to bless you, that he's going to bless you. And so I heard a, a really high-powered employer once. Um, he was saying that when he interviews people for a job in his corporation, he could tell right away if that person was generous or not. And so uh, he said that, that there is a, a glow and there's an attractiveness about generous people. I believe that. that. That generous people have a glow. They have an attractiveness about them. They have a likability about them. Uh, they're, they're usually happier, probably because, because uh, generosity activates that part of your brain that causes you to release dopamine. Do you all know that? And so, you know, you actually are happier when you're generous. And so, um, whereas the employer said that the people who are real tight-fisted and they don't practice financial generosity, a lot of times he picks up kind of an unhappy vibe from them, that they're kind of unhappy people. And so, um, he said the generous people tend to get chosen for the jobs. And the non-generous people tend to get passed over. Um, because the people who give are, are, and this is, again, we're talking, you know, we talked about the parable of the talents, right? That those who are faithful, to more will be given to them. And, and so the people who give, they're presented with more opportunities. The people who are generous are presented with more favor. They're, and, and they have greater earning potential. Wow. 
Do you want greater earning potential? Yes. Practice generosity, right? And so, uh, and I've seen just even here at Mercy, you know, people who generously give usually will tell me uh, that we'll have some conversation with them uh, over the span of a year or two where they'll go, I just got this new opportunity at work. We just got another raise. We just, you know, it happens all the time. It happens all the time to, uh, to, to, uh, to our tithers. And so uh, this is a biblical principle of sowing and reaping, and it affects our lives in the real world, in the real world. That's so awesome. And so um, as we close this morning, I just want to do this. I, I just want to challenge you to take a real close look at your financial health, right? This would this be great. If, you, if you're one of those people who can't go to work this week, <laughs> right, because uh, things are shut down or whatever, uh, stay at home and, and just take a look at your financial health and, uh, and you know, get, out, get a checkbook register or get a ledger or get something. Start writing it down uh, so, that, you know, so that you can manage your flocks wisely and you, can, you, know, you know what's going on with your finances. Um, if, you don't, uh, if you don't have a plan, if you're not somewhere between budget and conscientious spender, take some time to carve out and to begin to make a plan. Begin to create that map. Get help if you need it. She's awesome. And, uh, but take some time to carve out a plan. Uh, uh, without, you can't get there without a map. You can't get where you've never been without a map. No, none of us are going to wander into financial abundance. <laughs> right? I mean... Uh, none of us are just going to play it by ear. Uh, your ship is not going to come in. Um, you're going to have to go and swim out to your ship. <laughs> and that's going to take a plan. And so I just wanted to challenge you with that this morning. And so we're going to go ahead and end. We've got, we'll get one more song. We're just going to end. Wendy's just saying, just end. The natives are getting restless. The poor children back there. Okay, uh, so I apologize for going so long, but let me just pray for you guys. Why don't you all stand with me, and I'll, I'll pray for you and bless you. God, I praise you, and I thank you, Lord, that your words are so wise. Your words are so wise. And God, this morning, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your presence. I ask God that you would uh, help us to be people of presence, um, people, God, that trust you, trust what your word says about finances. Lord, we, we do pray for our nation. We pray for the world today, God. Uh, we pray for those who are ill and have compromised immune systems. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would do miracles. That this whole thing, God, when it's all said and done, that, that uh, not only we will, will we breathe a sigh of relief, but we'll begin to hear and share testimonies about how you moved powerfully. And so, God, we pray for peace. We pray against, God, I pray against uh, attempts by media to keep people in fear so that, uh, so that they would continue to click and watch and engage in their product. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to be rational and sensible and bring glory and honor to you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.